You know, energy, we have to look at every aspect of it. We just can't do solar and water. We got to look at everything and have everything under the portfolio because you never know, right? right? And we seem to just turn our backs and just say, oh, this is the way to go. And yeah, I, I get it. But, you know, there's going to be a day maybe we don't have the sun shining as many hours right. or the wind blowing. And and we have blackouts. And then everyone's going to say, oh, we should have. Should have, would have, could have. Hello and welcome again to another episode of Sac Town Talks. Today we're glad to be joined by Assembly Member Cecilia Aguiar Curry. Cecilia, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us again. Well, thank you. It's so nice to be here and to share what's happened in the past couple months. Anyway, yeah, but thank it seems, you. It seems like yesterday we were talking to you and what about this time of the year in 2020, right? Uh, we're all talking about internet for all and and how no one had internet in rural California. Uh, and here and today, you know, two years later, you know, you did broadband for all a miracle. It happened. It's uh, a miracle. <laughs> it is. Yeah. How's that going? It, you know. It's going really well. And I'm very delighted that my colleagues had the trust in many of us in the assembly uh, to make sure this gets implemented. And they're doing some really good workshops or going to the Department of Technology uh, with Caltrans and everything we said we wanted to do is happening. Um, it's a little bit slower than we had hoped, but mm -hmm. um, I think we're on target and we have 18 projects that are going right now. And I'm delighted that they're moving along and uh, a lot of positives come out of it. And uh, everywhere we go, people say, thank you, thank you, thank you. So uh, I feel really honored that we were able to get that bill through with the support of the governor. Yeah. So it's it's kind of interesting, you know, you just work on something, you just keep plotting it along kind of what I guess, what's your advice to members who want to take on these big things that seem impossible to like actually see it through and get it done? I think the most important thing is to have collaboration and sit down with your colleagues and talk about it. Uh, we did that when we did our climate change bill under uh, Governor Brown. And we sat around a table for days and days and days, numerous meetings, lunches, and talked about the importance of climate change and how we could deal with it in the state of California. And ultimately, you have both sides of the t both sides of the aisle uh, attending, and we just start working on our ins and outs. And my uh, key uh, on that particular bill was on making sure ag was included, mm -hmm. and that we didn't forget our rural communities. So more collaboration, the better bills, build a foundation. That's my number one thing. Build the foundation, and year after year, add to that. You can always amend a bill. You can make it better, um, and then take. Uh, a lot of input from um, people that are wanting to make sure you succeed. So that's how you do a good bill. <laughs> you know, we're living in interesting times here, uh, you know, not only with COVID and kind of how things are going, but, you know, we're living in a state that has, you know, this tremendous surplus in, in revenue, kind of, and what makes, I guess, you know, the impossible happen. Kind of what are some of the things that, that you're seeing that have been included, you know, due to the surplus that you're able to do? Well, primarily what I, that's important for us to do is to make sure we, we work on healthcare. Mm -hmm. And we're doing a lot with the healthcare. I sit on the healthcare committee and I want to make sure that rural communities are always included in healthcare. So we've been working on Medi-Cal, changes some of the limits on Medi-Cal, making sure our seniors aren't forgotten. So there's a lot of things that luckily with having a surplus, we've been able to help with education, uh, ch early childhood education. Um, but again, you know, it's fine and good that we have the surplus, but we need to make sure we get that money out to those people that need it most, that we make sure that the commitments we've made get taken care of. And uh, we're just really lucky right now that, that we do have the surplus. Uh, I think that um, the governor's done a good job trying to dot his I's and cross his T's. Mm -hmm. Are there some that are being left out? Absolutely. But again, we just need to continue to work on it. Yeah. 
you know, obviously, you know, COVID-19 kind of brought, you know, healthcare to the forefront. Yeah. But what, you know, what made that a, a focus of yours this year kind of for your, your community? Well, you know, when I first started the assembly, I went out to um, Lake County and Napa County, Calusa County, and I took my entire team. Uh-huh. And we looked around and said, there's a lot of poverty here. And how can we help out our communities? And I wanted to make promises that I could fulfill. Um, One of them was obviously the broadband, but the other one was healthcare. And to get doctors and nurses and behavioral health and specialists to those rural areas is really difficult um, because there's not as much funding that goes along along that line. Uh, People not necessarily are familiar with rural communities, and they're not really um, wanting to move there. So we went out there, and that's when I decided I really wanted to find out more of what some of the uh, hospitals were doing up there. And um, I realized that um, it was difficult to get doctors. And uh, I had a story from uh, Lake County that they had the only one psychiatrist. The psychiatrist um, wanted to retire. He moved to Florida, but he he really didn't want to leave his patients. He knew that they would be left high and dry. So he started doing uh, telepsychiatry. And I went into the hospital to see where they were doing that. And I just said, this is what we need to do in rural communities. So I did the telehealth bill. And uh, during COVID, um, people still needed to go to the doctor. They still needed to get prescriptions renewed. They still needed to have their blood pressure checked. There's so many things that people still needed to do. And some people hadn't been to the doctor ever. And um, I just realized that telehealth was the way to go. And uh, we started uh, down that path. Um, We did some really good legislation. And then um, COVID hit, and luckily the governor took a lot of our language into an executive order and let telehealth move forward. So the doctors would be paid, behavioral health specialists would be paid, others would be paid, uh, despite not actually going into a doctor's office. So, so you were looking at telehealth before COVID. Uh-huh. Wow. Way before. And, um, and, and again, it really had to do with everything about being in a rural community. Hmm. Um, right now in Calusa County, they don't have enough doctors. They have to, uh, if someone's gonna, is pregnant and has to have doctor's appointments and deliver a baby, they have to drive down to Yellow County. Is that fair? No. So there's a lot of discrepancies and right. inequities up and down the state that, um, that I have to share and educate my colleagues about. Uh, it's one thing to be in a, a doctor's office in L.A. or use a health center in L.A. Um, because there's numerous. You have uh, op- options there. But in Northern California, you might not only have one for miles and miles. So uh, I got into telehealth. I love it. It's doing really well. We're waiting for uh, the bill to be moved along to the governor. It's AB 32. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have more support on that bill. I have pages of supporters that are, are really anxious for that bill to move forward. You know, you know, telehealth is obviously, you know, can can help for for some things and mm-hmm. get people kind of there half the way. But as you said, you know, if you have a baby and you need to deliver it, you need to get to a physical location. <laughs> right. Kind of what are some of the answers that you're looking for in, in that regard? Well, still, there's still going to have the, the idea with telehealth is to be able to get some of the basics taken care of. But we never want to take away the opportunity to be face to face with a doctor or be in a facility that you need to be in. So uh, uh, the main thing is, is that doctors that we've worked with so far are just saying at least they're not traveling as many times, particularly on a hot day when it's 140 right. in Northern California and stuff. A woman that has to drive all the way over to the doctor might be able to be doing a telehealth, whether it's over the telephone or through uh, like a Zoom call. 
And uh, it's a mar- it's a miracle what they're doing with these Zoom calls and the technology that's out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, UC Davis is doing some incredible things. Sutter, Kaiser, all of them are really getting on board with this. And it's saving money and getting people to see the doctor. Yeah. You know, before we were talking about a, a bill you're working on with a group, uh, the promote. The promotores. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, again, it happened because of a rural community. Mm-hmm. I live in Winters. We have a promotores um, um, group, um, and it was started out of Winters Healthcare. And what you realize in um, rural communities, as well as urban, so don't get me wrong there, but you have to know your community. And the promotores is, in in my uh, in situation, is a Latina and a Latino group that worked hand in hand with doctors and they might be uh, doing intake when somebody comes to the doctor but basically they're trusted citizens of your community Um, many people don't want to go to the doctor but if they know that they can speak the same language they know about their background they understand lifestyle they're more apt to attend a doctor uh, doctor's appointment they're more apt to be able to listen to maybe getting your COVID vaccination or making sure your children are vaccinated to go to school or making sure that they take care of their diabetes. So it's a really great trusted group. And so we're doing a bill for the promotories. And uh, I wish I could remember the exact number, the bill number of it, but I think it's, uh, yeah. But anyway, it's a, AB 2697. Not that it really matters. It's a matters. big bill number. Yeah. It's a big bill number. <laughs> but, you know, it's just so enlightening when you see the promotory's work mm-hmm. and how they can get people to come in and they, how they, you'll be at a health, uh, health clinic and people will walk in or you're at a, a park and they're there. Um, it's really enlightening and it's really nice to see the laughter, the camaraderie, and you just know that they know the, the individuals that come to, um, to see, uh, to get their health care taken right. care of. You know, a big thing during the pandemic has been talked about mental health. People were staying at home mm-hmm. and, um, you know, that's really come to the forefront and, you know, telemedicine has helped with that. You know, people can talk to psychiatrists um, and it's kind of interesting in California. We have this thing called the Innovation Fund, which has billions and billions of dollars. But one of the problems is, as, as these small counties, you know, they just, you know, it's divided up by, you know, the county and, and you know, bigger, big, you know, landmass counties right. with smaller population get, get less funds. Um, so an interesting with the innovation fund is kind of studying the brain. Um, and, you know, it turns out we don't really know a lot about the brain. No, um, we it's, don't. <laughs> it's uh, it's an area that, you know, we haven't really, you know, begin to tap into. It's kind of like space. You know, we're just at the beginning of the forefront. Kind of that's something you're beginning to look at. Can you kind of talk to us about what, what you're working with the brain? And kind of- yeah. Um, well, first of all, we're really lucky to hear at UC Davis as part of my district is have the Mind Institute. Mm-hmm. And they're doing some really incredible um studies and uh, innovation on the brain. Um, But one of the things that I think that we have to remember, so I'm going to back up just a little bit, with telehealth, the mental health use for people uh, have mental health and behavioral health issues, using the telephone to still be be able to go to their appointment has been incredible. And the reason being is that sometimes you and I can get up and get dressed in the morning. You and I know how to get in the car. We know how to get to work. We know we know how to get do all those things. But when you are in a crisis, it's very difficult to do those minimal things that we think are so easy. And to attend your behavioral health appointment, go see your counselor, whoever it might be, it's hard. But if you can pick up the phone and have that conversation, 
that's really helpful. Mm-hmm. It tells the doctor a lot what's going right. on. So because of that, I'm also very involved with um, doing anything with Alzheimer's. And I've had uh, numerous bills that have passed. Uh, the governor is very uh, adamant on making sure that we take care of our seniors. And this year we're doing a bill to work with public health, Department of California Public Health, and within public health is have a whole new um, uh, area called the Office of Healthy Brain Initiative. And it'll be housed in the California Public Health Department. And I think that the benefit of that is that people that need help for Alzheimer's has a, a direct line to get in. Because going through public health sometimes, right. it, there's a lot of steps to go through. But let's make it easier for people that are struggling. Let's help make it easier for families that are struggling to help their loved ones. So that's one of the reasons that we have done that bill. And I, I'm really proud of it. Um, it's really enlightening when you i don't know if you've ever had the chance to go but uh, and i hope you don't have to but you may want to go see if you go to an alzheimer's event Mm -hmm. and to a conference years ago when i first started going down this track with alzheimer's there would be maybe families maybe 10 or 12 people would come the next year we told them this is all about family and the next year there'd be like 40 or 50 people now there's hundreds of families that come because they didn't realize all the support systems that we are putting in place, all the resources that are out there to help families. And that's what's really important when we do anything with mental health is it's not just one person we have to identify. It's a whole family. Uh-huh. It might be a community. It might be your neighbors. But how can we make somebody well? Yeah. And uh, you need to have that support during that time. You know, you guys just finished a, a budget. Uh, mm-hmm. What is a record budget? Three hundred billion dollars. I don't know. It's uh, much more than I have. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. What are some of the things that you know you personally worked on in the budget for your community? Um, well, I worked on some more health care for mm-hmm. my community, and we did get some money there. I'm still continuing to work on a crisis nursery, Davis Crisis, Yellow County Crisis Nursery, which again, uh, who would have thought we needed to have a crisis nursery? But during COVID, we really found out about the needs of families. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's built a lot of, upon what I've done for the Women's Caucus as well. There's things that I hate to admit. I cannot fix all mental health problems. And I don't think there's anyone in this building that can, in the in the capital that can, um, but we can make it better. And where I see we, where we can make it better and change people's lives is children. And from zero to five, we can identify so many things in a child's life. We can identify if they have health issues. We can identify if their surroundings or their family has issues and how we can make mommies and daddies better mm-hmm. because that's what's going to change the world. That's what's going to help people get better, um, putting a roof over their head, right? If you have a roof over your head, that makes all the difference in the world. But pe- some people just can't go that, do that. And uh, things that you and I think are simple are not so simple. So my goal is that truly is to see us really work on that zero to five-year-olds and make sure mommies and daddies are, are uh, know how to raise children. Right. They, not everybody's done that. And um I have so many young people we've had come in our office, and it breaks my heart. I can sit here and cry in a blink of an eye that have gone through foster care or had difficulties in life or with the conservation corps, and they're trying to change their life. And they won't look you in the eye, and I'll ask the advisor to leave the office if I can just talk to the students. And it is so enlightening. And one young lady, I'll never forget her, she had tattoos up and down her. She looked at me, I said, now pretend I'm like your mother or your aunt or your grandma or whatever, because you know it's been a tough life she's had. And she said, 
I'm just embarrassed. I've had a hard life. And I said, but you, you get to change it. You know, and I go, what do you want to do? She goes, I want to get in the Navy. I said, well, what's stopping you? Well, I have a two-year-old. What's stopping you? Yeah. We can help you do that. There are programs that can help you get through that. Then about two years later, I get a beautiful picture of her and her daughter, and she's in her Navy outfit. And, it, you know, that's what it was. It's just you got to encourage these young people that there's good that's out there, but if they they can't always do it alone. Right. And uh, that's what I want to do. I want to hug them. Every single time these young people come in my office, I just want to hug them and say, you can do it. Come back and see me in a year, and let's have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And some do. Yeah, that's the interesting thing is, is there's so many programs out there. There's so many things out there available to people, mm-hmm. but they don't know it. They um, don't know it. So kind of what, what what do you think that can be done better to kind of help, I guess, promote these programs and, you know, let people know that, hey, if you need help, you know, here it is. You know, that's a really good question because we do offer so many programs that are out there. Um, one of the things that we do, particularly in my office, and I tell people, we do constituent work. Mm. And we try to make sure the word's out there. It's like, this is where you can go. Let me know. Why Why didn't you call me before this? We could have helped you out. And a lot of people don't realize that our, truly our job is it's constituent work. Yes, we do policy, but it's also to make sure that um, our uh, constituents are safe. They have an understanding. I think that the most important thing um, it is is the education. And we need to start it early, even in schools. We don't do civics any longer. And if we had more civics classes that students understood that there are resources out there that maybe their parents would listen, mm-hmm. but it's a, it's a tough time right now and everybody doesn't trust government. And I, I think it's a shame because we do, we're doing some really, really good work. Um, as you know, during we had the EDD issues, um, my office alone did over 800 uh, claims and helped people out. Yes, was there some fraudulent ones? Yeah, and we caught them. Were there some families that were struggling because they didn't know how to fill out the forms? Yep, there were, and we helped them do that. So I think people don't realize that what you do out in the field is mm-hmm. really important. So whether it's that, working on you know, PG&E bills, or right. there's water or drought issues or whatever, that's what our job is, is to make sure that people trust and understand that government is there for mm-hmm. them. Yeah. So yeah. So you got the broadband done. Mm-hmm. You're working on healthcare. Uh-huh. You, you know, it looks like next you're looking at uh, early education, zero to five. Uh-huh. What about some of those old issues that you just talked about that you're just oh drought, drought, <laughs> wildfire. Oh my gosh! Anything well, new there? Yeah, there is a lot of things new there. Um, I uh, my district currently um, is uh, is quite big, but it's going to change after the election. Hopefully, I get elected. But I will have Calusa County, all of Calusa County. And I've already gone up there and talked to the supervisors, farmers, um, the CEO from the county, uh, and uh, farmers. And I I need to find out what's going on up there. Mm. There's no water. And it was heart-wrenching. I had them all around the table. They didn't know me. And I just said to them, so what are we going to work on? And obviously, it's water. Um, There's no rice going to be grown this year. Our farm workers that came up from Mexico, that come up every single year, that live in the migrant camps, came up thinking they had a job. They don't have a job. The economy in those small communities is just dying on the vine. And so we have to think outside the box of what we're going to do. The number one thing I have going for us up there, it's been working, they've been working on this for like 12, 15 years, is Sites Reservoir. And it's a reservoir that... Um, We'll collect water during the times that we do have water. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do need to get that built. We need to have storage. Uh, but the thing about that is, is that I said to the farmers, well, we're going to need jobs. 
and we need to get some people trained so they know how to work the heavy equipment as they build sites dam. And so I'm going to work hard on trying to get some workforce training up there, work with the, some of the unions, work with the locals. For those that are unemployed due to no agriculture working for it, is to see if we can find some kind of jobs. Because we need to be more diverse in our rural counties. Um, we rely a lot on agriculture. Mm-hmm. It's an, in, you know right. number one thing we in the state. It. We forget it. It's not tech. It's not tech, no. and it's not fancy. It's hard, hard work, and um, it's very risky in in ag, right? So we need to figure out different ways that we can help them out up there. So I'm going to be working on that. I'm going to work more on branding uh, California agricultural products. I think it's really important that we do that. Um, California brand is number one in the world. People know it, but we've had some supply chain issues this year. Our products didn't get out. Uh, that was heart-wrenching. Uh, agriculture, rice, walnuts, almonds uh, are commodities that need to get out at a specific time, and they weren't getting uh, released out of the Oakland um, uh, port. So there's a lot going on in agriculture. Right. So I'm going to be focusing on trying to help that out. But we got to figure out this water thing. we got to be mindful, and people are not mindful of uh, of saving water. And I have a bucket in my shower that I empty into my toilet. I know it sounds silly, but any way I can help out, I'm doing it. I have a plastic cover on my, my pool so it doesn't evaporate. I have a brown lawn. I mean, you know, but people don't understand what it's all about. And water is really gold and we're not really taking good care of it. It, It's interesting. We've had two water experts on recently trying Mm -hmm. to talk about water. And it's a a very regional issue. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what's, you know, in Sacramento is different from where right. you are. It, it doesn't really make sense t- to us because we think, oh, well, it's not really that different from yeah. here to there. What is yeah. it, two, an hour and a half, two yeah. hours sometimes? Yeah. Um, but yeah, your water supply is totally different. Yeah. Um, and it's, 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 I mean, water is so incredible. So uh, Lake County, I also do have Lake County. We're trying to clean up that lake. Mm-hmm. So since I got on board, I went straight saying, okay, we need to work on making Clear Lake clear. And so we're doing studies with UC Davis. We're doing on Make economic development. Clear, yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's what I wanted on the front right. page of the Chronicle in the Sacramento Bee. This is Clear Lake's clear. Come on up, you right. know, uh, to get economic development. But water is just such an enormous issue. And we turn our back to it so many times. I mean, as long as you can turn on the tap and you can flush your toilet, everyone seems so happy. But right. I'm going to tell you, we're looking at some tough times. And we, every single person is responsible for making sure that we save water. And you can't tell me, don't put the water on when you're brushing your teeth. Turn that, right. you know, it's just little things like that. But yeah, so those are some of the things I'm going to work on next year, I'm sure. Um, I'm working on energy, a biomass plant, uh, biomass is really, really important. Recyclers are, are really looking at doing biomass. So I just took a nice tour up over in American Canyon last week. There's also a big biomass plant that's uh, going online anytime up in Williams, and that uh, burns uh, rice hulls. So, you know, in, in a rural area, the issues that are in L.A. are not the same as mm-hmm. my district. And the most important thing that I try to do every single year is to educate my fellow colleagues because they have the votes. Right. And when they don't understand, then I, it's really difficult to get a bill across. And I've had many difficulties trying to get a biomass bill across. And it's frustrating in so many ways because we've had all the fires in Northern California. We have a lot of wood waste. And we're not taking care of that wood waste. I have walnut trees that are being pulled out as we speak in Yolo County. And there's enormous mounds of uh, wood waste 
And I'm going to tell you, if we could ship that and move it to a biomass plant, we'd be using energy, right? right? It's going to, what's going to happen? They're going to burn it out in the field. Yeah, with no uh, scrubbers, yeah. no protection. Right? No protection or anything. But what's the alternative? So if we would have had these things in place, and I, you know, I try to be visionary mm-hmm. on the work we're doing, you know, energy, we have to look at every aspect of it. We just can't do solar and water. We got to look at everything and have everything under the portfolio because you never know, right? right? And we seem to just turn our backs and just say, oh, this is the way to go. And yeah, I, I get it. But, you know, there's going to be a day maybe we don't have the sun shining as many hours right. or the wind blowing and, and we have blackouts. And then everyone's going to say, oh, we should have. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. Mm-hmm. Nah. Yeah, I was looking at our, our grid the other day because everyone's like, oh, you know, um, electric cars are powered by coal. And I was like, I don't, like, let me look at what the grid is. Yeah. And I think we get like 1% of our energy from coal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, biomass was a small percentage. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, there's other things. Natural gas was like 40 yeah. some percent. Like, so if you could, you know, get, you know, biomass is better than coal. Yeah. Definitely, definitely better yeah. than maybe natural gas, you could argue. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, be open to other opportunities. Be options. open, right. Yeah. I mean, look at right. There's we're no doing one size fits all. It's not. Answer. Exactly. Yeah. And right now we're looking at, you know, Diablo Canyon. Are we going to continue to keep that open right. for nuclear? That's 9% of our grid. So yeah. If you take that down, then what do we do? Exactly. Yeah. So I've been to, uh, I went to Portugal and saw what they're doing with wind along the uh, coastline and so there's opportunities out there and I think that we need to not close our mind that there's nothing available Um, but we have to be more open because we just don't know I want to make sure I leave you my children everybody with alternatives Uh and uh, just going down one line is not going to be I think the best uh, choice that we make Something yeah. you just touched on earlier was was your new district. And I mm-hmm. believe last time we talked, which is during COVID, and every county had different <laughs> rules. And I think you said you had like six counties you were working with within your assembly district. Yeah. I guess how is that changing in, in your new in your new district? Well, the good thing is we did some legislation mm-hmm. that made it easier to at least uh, run, and it made it easier to fill out the forms for each county, and uh, so that was very helpful. And uh, but um, the each so one thing you have to remember is that uh the technology and the expertise in each county is different and so what i do in uh calusa county will be different than what i do in yolo county which will be different what i do in napa county and lake so i will be down to four counties um and i'm delighted there'll be the entire counties of those four um and it'll be easier to kind of manipulate or to work with the only thing I have, will be adding is the town of Sonoma in Boyce Hot Springs. And I'm familiar with those communities as well because they're still in the wine district. But um, that's what uh, the the best part is, is that I can, when I meet with my constituents, it's easier for me when I'm really focused on, let's say, Yolo County. Mm-hmm. Yolo County is very much more progressive. Uh, if I work Lake County, it's much more conservative. Um, but those things are kind of turning. The tide's turning. And what people are looking at is they want to trust somebody. And I think when I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And I think um, the proof is in the pudding that I have turned around a county such as Lake County, which is very conservative. They came around and I had the highest votes in the primary. And uh, I I consider that a a big accomplishment in many ways. But again, people, it's again, trust. When they don't trust you, and I'm sure that in, you know, two years from now, and I meet with Calusa County, I think they're going to have a different uh, look at me as well. So anyway, it doesn't matter in these areas. I don't know why anyone puts this with D and R. Let's just do the job. Mm-hmm. Go get 
go get the work done. And it's kind of an interesting year. Um, you know, you missed out. You just came in after the class of 2012, so you didn't come in with the big uh, 2012 class. Yeah. Um, but now you're having this new class coming. Yeah. Like 30 some new mm-hmm. assembly members. Kind of. How is it kind of dealing with this change and this this turnover? And you know, uh, how do you see kind of the the differences next year? Um, I think it's going to be a great opportunity. Um, I think it's a great opportunity, again, is that we could have just, for instance, maybe 10 brand new women in the Women's Caucus. And we're looking really forward to that, I think. Um, not to say anything bad about the men, but women get stuff done. And they're compassionate. They have empathy. They want to work together. They want to collaborate. And, you know, it's like, okay, take this portion of a bill. And, you know, they, they work together better. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. And I think um, I've met quite a few, uh, particularly the women, and they're brilliant. They have so much to offer. Um, they are up and down the state of California. They're, I'm, I just think we're going to have a great opportunity. Again, I'll be back on to educating my uh, Los Angeles, San Diego uh, uh, colleagues about ag- agriculture mm-hmm. so I can get them to vote on my bills. Right. But, but other than that, I think it's a great opportunity. I think there's a lot of leadership changes. I think um, I- I'm going to miss uh, Christina Garcia a lot because she's really taken the Women's Caucus to a whole nother level. And we're really, really proud of her and we're going to miss her. But um, I'm hoping to help uh, work with the Women's Caucus and help be a mentor to all these new women that are coming in. Uh, it's going to be, uh, I think, when you see the job, it looks easy. But when you're here 12 and 14 hours a day and you're not with your family, you need someone to help guide you. And I'm hoping I can help the women that are going to be coming on to be successful. Mm-hmm. And just kind of like, you know, at one point you were a candidate, mm-hmm. you know, you were a mayor of a small town, now population 7,000, which <laughs> yeah. probably wasn't back then. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Um, you know, how, how did you, you know, come to run for the assembly and kind of, you know, win that seat when you came from such a small area mm-hmm. where you had candidates probably from Davis, Napa, bigger population mm-hmm. centers? Well, um, it's kind of a funny story. I never thought that I was ever going to be in this position. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, I'm the luckiest person ever. I love this job. What happened was is that I um, got divorced, went back to my hometown, was raising my children, and my neighbor was on the city council. And she goes, I don't want to do this anymore. You do it. And I go, no, nah, I, don't, I don't know anything about city councils. Right. So I got on the planning commission, and then I realized I could do this job, and uh, people help you. I mean, you just have to realize people want you to be successful. Mm-hmm. So I ran for city council. I won. I became mayor, first uh, woman Latina mayor. Um, and then um, when you're mayor, you get to do so much more. And I guess I should be careful when I say that. You get paid, I got paid $100 a month. Yeah, I was like, does winners have yeah. a strong mayor? No, <laughs> I got paid $100 yeah. a month, but you got to sit on SACOG Sacramento Council of Governments. I was on the, I was the chairman of the Yellow County Housing Committee. I was on the Yellow County uh, Water Agency. I mean, I had really a broad group of people that I work with and then, um, and I was good at it, mm-hmm. quite frankly. And I got a phone call. And it was from a group called Close the Gap, a woman's group. And they said, uh, we want to talk to you about running for assembly. And I said, well, you got the wrong number, first of all. And a woman from Winters, California will never win that seat. Right. And uh, they said, no, 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 we've been doing polling. And I said, who's doing polling on me? And so I was no. like, because I wasn't familiar with all the language. I wasn't, I wasn't even know what the chief of staff did for it, mm-hmm. you know, for gosh sake. So anyway, I um, gave it some thought. My partner, Larry, and I sat and I said, well, he goes, go, go for it. What do you got to lose? I said, well, okay. And I ran against four gentlemen and uh, two, three from Davis 
and a Republican gentleman out of Esparto, and I ended up, I beat him. I won. And it was crazy. And I was like taken back, and I knew I could do it because I thought if I do this, I'm going to give 110%. Mm-hmm. And I, I won. And uh, yeah, and then all's history. And I'm really lucky I had the best, and I continue to have the best staff. And they're good at guiding me because, like, when I say I didn't know what a chief of staff was, I didn't know what right. a chief of staff was. I didn't know what a legend was. But, you know, that's why you you do the job is you do it from your heart. And if you're not here, for, I was here for the right reasons. I'm not looking for another job. Uh, this is where I'm going to land. This is where I'm going to stay out. I'm one of the elder ones in the assembly. And uh, I like I said, I, I'm just I'm happiest I've ever been. I just love this job and changing people's lives, making them happy, um, dealing with, you know, difficult times. I mean, let's face it, COVID was really, really hard, but you always have to keep up, right? You have to be happy. You got to say, we're going to do this, never find anything negative in it. And uh, that's how we did it. Yeah. You know, one thing you've said a a couple of times is, you you know, you got to educate the other members about Mm -hmm. ag. Uh, And that's kind of, you know, talking with some people about water and some Central Valley members, especially Central Valley Mm -hmm. members is, is they feel no one understands ag in mm-hmm. the Central Valley and kind of their needs. You're in an interesting uh, kind of situation because you're here in Northern California. Mm-hmm. You know, you have Napa, you have kind of some bigger metropolitan mm-hmm. areas. You're, you know, kind of the Bay Area caucus as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have ag. You have this actually large ag footprint. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess, you know, are you, are you able to kind of educate these members a little differently kind of when you when you educate them about egg than maybe some of our, our central valley members yeah well particularly you know um tomato sauce just doesn't show up on the shelf mm-hmm. so i took about five members out on a tomato harvester and i we talked about the dirt the farmer we brought the farm obviously the farm was there we're out there they put them on the tomato harvester to see how difficult it is. we watched the whole load go to the processing plant we went to the processing plant to see how many employees were there how they work with, with the work environment uh, and then we watched the the product come out in a can and they all said that was the best uh best tour they'd ever given um the other tours we've been doing i mean the tours really hit home mm-hmm. Um, I do stuff for uh, the environmental work for uh, ducks. Um, I did a nesting birds bill. I did a winter flooded rice bill. And everybody didn't understand initially. Right. But I took them out to the rice fields. And there was water in them, mind you. Uh, I took the rice fields. I've taken them out to um, uh, uh, west of uh, east of Yellow County, but to see where they're doing nesting birds. And mm-hmm. they were just blown away. They just said, oh, my God, this is be- beautiful. Took them out to Montana Farms. And guess what? Every one of them voted for my bill. Every one of them. I took them to olive oil. I did a California olive oil bill. Took them to olive places, did olive tasting. Oh, my God, I didn't know there was differences in olive oil. From a rancid tasting olive oil to California freshly uh, um, processed olive oil. And showed them the importance of how you have to get a crop off early. When you, when, particularly with olives, um, when you harvest them, the faster you can get them into production and ma- uh, mashing them, mm-hmm. the fresher and the better the olive oil. If they sit on a truck too long, they become rancid. Right. So all those things that you want to teach them. And so those bills go, will go through if I train and educate them. And uh, it's always kind of fun. Like, oh, now I, when I buy my olive oil, I'm really careful of my olive oil. Or, you know, <laughs> so now I'm doing agave. I'm trying to help farmers out on agave. So we're doing a, a California brand of, of agave, which is um, 
not supposed to say tequila, but it's similar to tequila, but it's called agave. And it will be grown in California. And it's a drought tolerant crop. Is that kind of like champagne? You can't say yeah, basically, champagne outside yeah. of France. You yeah. can't say tequila. <laughs> yeah, one of those, tequila. right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> basically, yeah. they, you know, along that same line, you get yeah. it. So that's, you know, uh, we're looking at doing, you know, we're trying to get that bill across. I think it makes a lot of sense. Again, it goes back to California branding. Again, it goes to uh, money that's coming in the economy of California. Mm-hmm. And again, it goes to uh, educating my colleagues of the importance of that. And uh, they do show up at agave tasting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, one thing you you know it is you know your your district right uh-huh. it, it's very purple let's say mm-hmm. um and you know you're saying like you know get rid of the partisanship just yeah. just do the job mm-hmm. um but you know i guess there's partisanship in, in a lot of things we do it's not just republican yeah. democrat it's uh solar versus biomass it's agriculture versus environmentalists mm-hmm. um how do you bridge those gaps and, and especially in the egg sector you know there's always this this trade-off right like you know we need to do some something here but yes it might affect the environment this way or that way kind of you know how, how do you navigate those waters and, and you know try to get stuff done well particularly when i ha- when there's bills that come through or any policy comes through that's from someone that's not from an agricultural background mm-hmm. um there's always unintended consequences somewhere in that in their bill and i always try to go what's in it for my community my my district um, what are the unintended consequences how can we fix those um, so you're right because there is there's controversy when you don't understand what biomass does and what you get out of biomass versus solar. Yes, solar's cleaner, but there is a need for that. So when you start having those one-on-one conversations with um, your uh, colleagues, um, generally, I mean, I love hearing their point of view because they go, oh, I never thought of that. Okay, well, I get it. You know, so I, I you just have to, it's a conversation. Yeah. And um, I, to me, we didn't do. We didn't do the best, I think, policy the year before last. I think um, we could have done better policy, but we ha- didn't have the opportunity to sit with each other. We didn't have the opportunity right. as colleagues to to really, you know, beat up on some of the bills and try to come out with a better bill. I think um, policy is hard and it takes time, and you're not always going to have it right the first time. And it's time you need to fix it many a time. But when we didn't have that that chance and that um, face-to-face and there's feelings hurt, um, that's not good policy when you're, when you're down that. So, um, because all of a sudden people don't trust you. They don't trust you because, you know, you right. had a bad bill or whatever. So, it, it, again, I, I just have to keep going back to it. It's conversation, collaboration. Um, and I think we're going to have to have more of that. And I'm hoping um, with uh, the leadership we can sit down and do that better. Yeah. Yeah. So this is interesting. So we're coming into the end of session. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a 30-day grind here. Yeah. Any big plans? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to look at uh, August 30th and go, yeah, thank goodness gracious. Um, you know, it's it's once again as I'm, um, you know, we're having our break right now. And the important p- for me is to be able to meet with people that I haven't got to meet with mm-hmm. during when we're really busy. So trying to see if there's some of the Senate bills are starting to come through what is there anything I should be aware of? How do they affect my again my district? So I'm I'm doing those kinds of things. So I'm hoping by uh, when we go back August first, I'm ready to go. I don't have my eyes dotted and my T's yeah. crossed. I feel like a lot of the bills uh, have been vetted pretty well. I chair the local government committee. I think we've done a really really good job. I have an incredible consulting team that we've done some good bills. Um, you know we're trying to get housing out right. 
And uh, with the new housing chairman, Buffy Wicks, we've been working collaboratively. She'll call me and she goes, I got this bill. I don't know, I got this one. And okay, can we fix it here? Or, or there's some of our colleagues have very similar bills. You know, we're trying to convince them, put those bills together because right. they make it one good bill. You know, because you don't want to fight and have inner fighting with each right. other. That's the last thing. But I think we'll be, there's going to be some controversy. There's no doubt about it. Um, but uh, I became the good listener and tried to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming in during the yeah. break. Hope you're getting the rest because I know there's going to be some long nights coming up here. Oh, in, in that's August, okay. So. You know, that's what it's all about, right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, I appreciate time. you um, having me today. I hope, uh, you know, that uh, all these bills, our policy gets through. I think we're doing some really good stuff. And yeah. uh I'm really honored to have this position. Definitely. Well, I hope you keep making the impossible possible, Cecilia. So <laughs> Thank you very much. You. Looking forward to catch up. Yep. Thanks. Let's do it again. All right. Bye-bye.